you're listening to the Make Love to Life podcast. So let's make love to life. Welcome to the Make Love to Life podcast. This is episode number one. I'm your host, Nalaya Chakana, and I am super looking forward to sharing with you a little bit about the philosophy behind Make Love to Life and to finally launch this podcast. <laughs> wow, I have been feeling the inspiration of, of creating this channel probably since, I don't know, let's say nine months. Nine months sounds like a really good symbolic number. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the intention for setting up this channel is really to come from a very authentic and very intimate place from within. And so, of course, this first episode, I'm, I'll be the one talking, but my intention is truly to invite speakers on and dive into particular subjects so that multiple perspectives can be perceived by the listeners. But within those interviews, what I'm more interested in is really what is the story behind the wisdom that a teacher or a writer or someone who calls themselves a, a coach or a therapist or who are basically in a position of sharing their information, like where do they come from? What is their story? What is, you know, the pain place that got them to walk the path that they walk? And I feel an importance of creating this channel uh, for this very specific reason, because I see too much, you know, online people claiming to know it all or claiming to be in this position of, of knowing it all and having all the answers for you. And I think what we are after more than wisdom and knowledge, because literally the internet is oversaturated. <laughs> what we are after is connection, is intimacy, is storytelling, right? So when make love to life, where to start? So there's a few things that I want to look at with you. The difference between sex and lovemaking and how to basically live a tantric lifestyle, no? Because make love to life is, is obviously that there's a sexual element in it, but it's not the whole story. We really want to look at, okay, what does it mean to make love to life? What does it mean to tap into all these layers of intimacy so that when you are in a relationship, in an intimate relationship, that the sexuality is basically a reflection of the intimacy that already exists, as opposed to using sex as the way to get to a, a deeper sense of intimate connection, which is basically the, the fault that I see um, happening specifically in our generation, no? the over-sexualization of intimacy, which often leads to missing the point, which is connection. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at self-sabotage and all the ways that we manage to prevent ourselves from getting where we truly want to be, especially in love. So yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. We're going to look at three main pain points that I see in my clients. Um, and so for those who know me, or sorry, <laughs> for those who don't know me, <laughs> um, the focus, the heart of my work is, is really focused on um, removing blockages and patterns of the past related to intimacy that are preventing you from opening the heart again and trusting again and basically daring to love. No, because to love requires courage. And knowingly or unknowingly, there are memories of the past and this can 
go all the way back to your childhood or the kind of relationship that you have with your mother or your father and how that resulted in you attracting particular types of um, you know, relationships and then setting up basically a, a pattern of self-destruction and self-sabotage to basically not get to the place where you want to be. And what I see in my line of work is that very often the clients that come to me are ready to manifest something that they've never lived. Like, what does it mean to be in an easeful relationship? What does it mean to feel free in your commitment? Of course, this is what you want. But what I like looking at is instead of it becoming an illusion and therefore a perfection in your imagination and unattainable for that reason, what I like to look at is really the breaking it down to digestible, to a digestible understanding and integrative way of releasing the past, releasing those negative beliefs, releasing and, and finding a place in, in your heart with peace as to what it is that you have experienced in the past that has prevented uh, your heart from opening up again. And I think it's uh, necessary and it's healthy for us to admit that uh, all of us have tendencies to protect our hearts and all of us have the desire to open it. And even though stepping into the heart and even though opening the heart is such a powerful place, it is also perceived as fragile somehow. And the reason for that is because everyone has a memory in which you experienced love and then the love was taken from you or the person left or, or some, some memory of pain um, related to, to that opening of the heart. And so the mind creates these protection mechanisms. So bueno, before I go too deep into this, I just first want to tell you a little anecdote of my own story. Actually, I want to take you to one very destructive, very painful, and very important relationship in my life that happened exactly 10 years ago. So I was 22 at the time, and I had just moved to India. Um, so for people who don't know, um, I have a very international background. I was born in the Netherlands by Dutch parents, and I was raised all over the world, basically. So different cultures, different countries, different languages. And by the time that my parents settled down, I, I continued uh, doing my studies abroad. So I studied in Australia and Canada. And when my studies had finalized, I felt a calling for India. Initially, I felt like it would just be a trip or a journey or an adventure, but actually it became my home for five years, after which I moved to Peru, where I also lived for five years. And recently I moved to Thailand, where I am now. And this move I made for love, not just any love, mm, the man I am meant to walk my path with. So I am here um, in this new chapter of my life, which for sure I will mention at the end of this uh, episode, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I mean, talking about manifesting love, talking about make love to life, this, what I am living is, is the full embodiment of what I teach. So where did it start? It started in a very, I mean, where did it start? I'm, I'm going back to this awful experience 10 years ago, because that, that relationship and that experience set off basically for me to encounter my path of purpose, uh, which I wasn't even looking for at the time. No, I, I wasn't looking for anything other than finding a piece of myself. Because although it may sound, you know, as a romantic idea of like, oh, wow, cool. 
I was raised in all of these countries. That's amazing. And of course, it enriched my perspective of the world. And it it allowed me to have this really wide perspective of life, of interaction, of communication, of connection, of intimacy, and the influences no, of, of surroundings and cultures and languages and how it all fits together. So, of course, I feel blessed. And in my early 20s, it also caused for confusion. Confusion of where do I belong? Confusion of who am I? And that is really why I went to India. Um, and anyone who's been to India knows that India is powerful. And whether you know why you go to India or whether you don't know, the spirit of India is going to make sure there's something drastically transformed in you by the experiences that you'll attract. Like it just has this a magnificent way of teaching you and sometimes in the most painful ways which is what happened to me so when i was in a narcissistic relationship um and anyone who's had this experience i know you know exactly what i'm talking about um and for those who don't know i'm just going to summarize it for you a narcissist the way i see it is a person who um unfortunately needed to go through a traumatic event when they were likely uh, very young. And so usually the child consciousness doesn't have the capacity to integrate these traumatic events and they'll create uh, ways of protecting the wound. And when these protection mechanisms perpetuate, a narcissist, because I almost see it like a psychological um, disorder, you know? like it's something in the mind and the brain that directs information input and information output in a way that is completely removed from reality. It's almost like the, the interpretation of how this person perceives what is happening is all to attract energy from being pulled towards them. It's almost like he or she will feed themselves of the drama that then directs attention towards them. So what you'll very often see in a narcissistic relationship is that um, dramas are created out of thin air um, and that somehow you are always the one to blame. Now, another characteristic of a narcissist would be they are usually very charismatic, highly intelligent and um, just have this way about them. And it's almost like the intelligence actually gets in the way. Like I've had experiences like the one, not just my experience, sorry, but obviously I've I've dealt with my clients who've, who've lived similar experiences like this. And what I see is that it's usually the intelligence that actually gets in the way from the healing. So in some cases, I don't even believe it's possible for that person to heal. And I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm lacking positive view of existence because my, my view is very positive. But I think it's also healthy to admit that sometimes situations become so, so complicated for a person in the way that I, they have driven themselves to just never, ever touch that deep wound again. And so in a relationship like that, what often happens in my case, for example, the more he would let me into his heart, the more with more force he would push me away again. So there is this pull and push, pull and push, pull and push. And whenever the push would happen, which would be basically anything I'd say or something I did or something that whatever it is, it would result in a drama and the arrows would be pointed at me. And I would always be the one to blame. And there will be a lot of aggression and a lot of throwing of words, um, emotional abuse, you name it, um, and targeting the, the power places in me. But then 
somehow softening again and then pulling me in and apologizing and making promises to, to, to be better. And at the time, there was definitely a savior alive in me. Like I felt I had it in me to convince him of a new truth. Like I felt I had it in me that I could prove women could be diff uh, diff uh, different. <laughs> women can also be difficult, yes. <laughs> um, because his main wound had something to do with the feminine. And this is really where I felt most broken down after the relationship had ended. I described it at the time as though I was this castle, or sorry, the structure of a house that was broken down. And that after the relationship, it demanded me to pick up every, every brick one by one and rebuild this castle, basically. Or what was once a house to then transform it into a castle, no? Like a real beautiful, majestic structure rather than just um, a shelter. And so, you know, it took me years of processing uh, what had occurred in that relationship um, because it demanded me to, to look at things and take things more seriously and to take responsibility. Because as much as I just said, okay, this person has um, a deep wound, you know, he's, he's definitely in a place that um, he doesn't want to take any responsibility because if we're playing the, play, the blame game with our external reality, then of course, you know, how far can you actually get in healing, even if you convince yourself you are on the path of healing. So regardless of me saying that about him, it was also very necessary for me to admit that he didn't come into my life to break anything. He came into my life to show what was broken in me. Because if it wasn't already broken, there would be no, like, for example, where I am now, a man like that, or even worse, could approach me, but would no way, like, it just would not be possible uh, to touch me in those places or to scar me in the way that I got scarred or hurt or interfered with, with my sense of centeredness, or it just would not be possible. And so, yeah, this is why this relationship was so impactful because it it allowed all the wounds that I had been hiding from myself to surface and it was all regarding my womb my femininity and my freedom my freedom of expression whether it was my expression of writing of my voice of photography of yoga of dance like it was those would be the places where he would target his um, hurt his manipulation so when I came out of that it required me to to go inward, no? And I, uh, funny enough, I came to Thailand, which is now eight years ago. It's it's really quite symbolic, no? Because here I am again in the north of Thailand, and literally the last memories I have are of the ones that uh, in which I was basically living in isolation in um, a village in the north of Thailand, basically integrating everything or integrating to the extent that I could integrate, because all in all, it took me quite a while to integrate that entire story. But at the time, eight years ago here in Thailand, I was exploding in, in my sensitivity and overwhelm and all the things that needed to be looked at. Um, and so what occurred at the time, like I said, I got targeted in my femininity and the expression of my womb was that it she basically stopped bleeding, no? Like my, I had all kinds of menstrual issues, fertility issues. Yeah, just it, it affected me on many levels. So not just did I not have a cycle, um, you know, my skin got affected. I had adrenal fatigue. 
it affected my mood it affected my yeah my my sleep I, I was basically a complete mess not a complete mess and then on top of that at the end of of uh, my time in Thailand because I'd planned to go see my family after being two years in India I caught a bacteria and I literally got sick the day before I caught my flight to go back to Holland just for a visit, not just to see my family and say, hey, the timing couldn't have been worse. Oh my God, I felt such a resistance of like, oh my God, like I'm just integrating all of this. I, I can't feel myself. I don't feel at home. I, I, I don't even know half of what happened in that relationship or how to fully come back to my power. I'm overwhelmed by everything that I'm seeing and feeling and finding it difficult to connect with people because of the lack of trust or the way that I got hurt and manipulated in that relationship. And yet I felt such a guilt of having been away from my family for two years that I kind of forced myself to go there. And I mean, these are all very valuable lessons, no? So when I got sick the day before I hopped on that plane, this was literally the worst plane uh, journey I have ever taken in my life. I was in, in full fever and sickness and you name it. But when I arrived, I didn't even tell anyone that I wasn't well. I didn't even tell anyone about this relationship because I was really quite stubborn in the way that I wanted to process things before allowing other people to be part of that journey. Because very often people come with their interpretation or the way that they think you need to resolve things. And so I, I, I just, uh, I didn't want that. However, the bacteria started to, uh, yeah, nest basically in my right, uh, sorry, in my left breast right on top of my heart and um, it grew and weeks went by and I was trying all kinds of herbal formulas and different potions and different, you know, holistic therapies. And as you can imagine, you know, I, I was living really a very basic, very hippie lifestyle. You know, I just uh, was quite anti-chemical medication of any kind. Like I, I completely rejected it. And I think I needed this, this experience to, to also see the balance in life, no? Like there's, um, there's inventions of the humankind that literally save lives and it literally did save my life. So after, you know, being in Holland, seeing family and pretending everything was okay when it wasn't, there was a friend of mine who noticed, he was the only one who noticed actually. And he, when I told him what was going on, he pushed me to go to the hospital. By the time I got there, you know, the doctors looked at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> like my breast had grown basically. And, you know, there were, I don't know how many doctors who came into the room to look at what was going on. Eventually they, they sucked out the abscess and, um, you know, had me, had me in a room, um, for a couple of days before seeing what was actually going on with the bacteria. When they realized what kind of bacteria it was, uh, they put me in isolation where I was at for, I think, more than two weeks. So basically isolation, meaning I couldn't receive visitors. Uh, the windows couldn't open. When the doctors would enter my room, they looked as though they were on Mars. Like they had full suits with oxygen and you name it. Like it was super contagious. And um, if I hadn't uh, stepped in in that moment, or if I hadn't been pushed by my friend, let's put it like that, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, it's it's likely I could have died because it was literally sitting on top of my heart and growing. So this was a very, you know, intense experience that 
um, I couldn't fully process at the time in this hospital with hospital food. And it, it was just, just, it was a complete overwhelm because aside from needing to deal with what I was going through, I also felt like I needed to ensure that my uh, family wasn't freaking out too much by everything that, that had occurred. Now, this event, um, you know, pushed me into taking my health and my life and everything that uh, this relationship had shown me, I, I had to take it more seriously. And so I did detoxes, I worked with acupuncture, and I drank a whole lot of plant medicine to integrate this. Now, it's been quite an interesting, you know, journey in regards to, you know, what was broken in my feminine? What was it about this um, allowing myself to be overpowered when actually before I met him, I'd been in the power position. I'd, I'd been very secure and confident in, um, you know, how I was in relationship before that, but also as, um, uh, you know, as sexual, in my sexual exploration, I'd been very free and explorative and um, adventurous and promiscuous and, and just, um, you know, seeking those kind of experiences for the sense of expansion of my consciousness. And so when he came in, it was just very clear that, there were parts of me that were more sensitive than I wanted to admit and that needed nourishment and nurturing in the way that I hadn't been giving it. And it had everything to do with my relationship to the masculine and the trust. And so for an experience like this, like the essence of what I truly want to share with you in this moment is not to continue talking about all these details that brought me onto my path of purpose, but rather to look at, wow, how can... Someone have such an experience where um, it leads to such dramatic events. Because what was this thing with my breast? It was my body expressing, uh, shouting at me, you know, because if there's these whispers, these whispers of like, hey, look at this. Hey, take care of me. Hey, uh, don't do that. Hey, you should get out of here. If you don't listen, you don't listen, you don't listen. And you need to have an experience like being in a narcissistic relationship and then still having difficulties to actually integrate it, the body will find a way to shout, to release, to catch your attention. So, you know, check in with yourself. What bodily ailments do you have? What injury keeps reoccurring and coming back? What is this body part telling you? In my case, the left side, the feminine, the breast, which is such a, a feminine expression, but also the extension of the heart. Now, the left side, you can also see as related to the maternal ancestral lineage. Um, you know, there were so many layers that, that wanted to be checked in and realigned and um, basically giving space to uh, trauma of my own life to be integrated as opposed to, you know, allowing more of these kinds of experiences to enter my life. Um, so to come back to the point... Many people will go through either an even more, you know, challenging experience than the one that I just shared, or even, you know, it can even be seemingly less challenging than what I described. But the point is, I think we all have been hurt or manipulated in some way or cheated on, or we lost the person we thought we were going to be with forever. Just difficulty in love, like those kind of experiences, you know, set a mark in the heart that often will cause people to shut down, to stop trusting, or to even be wary, no? 
to like come out in the world, even after drinking God knows how much ayahuasca, coming back into the world, into the dating world, and just being afraid to attract the same thing again. And the joke of the law of attraction is that if you're, if you fear attracting X, Y, Z, you're likely to attract it. Because if the subject in my consciousness is, I don't want yet another narcissist, narcissist is the, the key subject of my focus, focus of attention. And so the law of attraction is very simple. It's like what you focus on is what you attract. And so if you focus on what you don't want, you're going to attract exactly that. And so in my case, I really, 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 really took my time to integrate this where, you know, the first year after this experience, I was basically celibate. And it wasn't that I had intended to be celibate for an entire year, but it just kind of happened to be a year because I promised myself I wouldn't uh, date anyone until I truly felt a new sense of my centeredness and clarity of where I am at and what I desire. So in that year, you know, the path of Tantra opened for me, the path of healing my body through sexuality um, and the power of pleasure and the, the power of, of coming back to my sexuality because there were so many parts of you know my my reproductive system that was affected of which also my libido which was actually really confronting for me because um this is something that from the moment i became sexually active has been so alive within me um and so yeah i i took it slow and i'm really grateful that i did and just for your understanding like yeah i went through all of this uh, sexual healing and, and inviting Tantra um, and, and, you know, Tantra in a way of using it for the healing properties that it possesses. I, I did go on dates with people and I just want to share this with you in case you are experiencing something like this um, currently or in case you do feel like you're overprotecting. Um, like I do want to encourage you to go on dates because um, and, and take it almost like a, as a testing Testing as in, okay, I go on a date with this person who I just met. I know nothing about them. I don't know if I can yet trust in my instincts. So let's go on a date and see what this person really has to offer as a reflection of where I am in my own healing journey. And so I remember disappointing certain men tremendously because I would be sincerely interested in them and we would go on dates and it seemed like we were having a good time, but then I would come home and I would kind of analyze what had been uh, talked about, what I saw in their behavior, and to basically see all the signs uh, that I chose to ignore in that narcissistic relationship. Because that's the point, right? It's like whenever you are in a destructive or manipulative relationship, it's not like you don't see. You see, but you choose not to see. And so when you start dating again, it's basically asking you, to trust in what you see and know that you know. So that's basically what I was doing. And it gave me a really good reflection of like, okay, this is where I'm at. So when, like I mentioned, this experience affected my womb, um, you know, regarding the, the, the menstrual cycle, fertility, uh, my femininity, sexuality, and that basically opened the, the, the path of my purpose. Um, so initially I started working solely with women and um, was passing on everything I knew and everything that I was experiencing and everything that I was healing step by step um, allowed me to 
have a really deeply transformational effect on the women that were attracted to working with me. And so here I was, you know, in my early 20s, not even looking for my purpose. I think I was too young to even consider what is my purpose. And maybe I didn't even take it that seriously at the time, but life forced me to take it serious. And, you know, even when I was in my healing journey, it's not like I decided, oh, now I'm going to work with women and now I'm going to pass on whatever it is that I learned. No, it just happened like that. I just happened to attract women who were in similar scenarios. I just happened to naturally attract women, you know, dealing either with uh, menstrual issues or relationship issues or a blockage in their sexuality. And I saw that it was needed. And I saw the natural effect I had. And I saw the growing fascination in my heart and how passionate I became in yeah, in allowing this to expand. So, bueno, years and years and years of womb work continued up until a point where I really felt like, okay, there's a beauty to the intimacy that we can achieve uh, when we are surrounded solely by women, uh, sisters with sisters. And I'm sure that men experience the same when they are with men, only with men. And there is a, a need for this and an importance to this. And sometimes if we only focus on that, it is also preventing a particular integration that can actually only occur when men and women come together. And that's what I saw. I saw that I had basically reached the plateau of um, where I could take women. Um, because as much as I was working on all these layers and levels of intimacy, there was something that had to, you know, come through working with men and women together. And so I opened my doors to men a couple of years ago. And when I was in the process of transforming my work or transforming the heart of my work, I had to look back and say, um, okay, so where where is that one super powerful point that has shown me this is where my specialty is? This is where I've seen the most transformation. What What is it? What is it? What is it? And it was really clear. It was actually intimate relationship. And it was actually the point that was so natural to me that I almost overlooked its importance. Does that make sense? It's like the thing you're meant to do and the thing you're meant to focus on is the thing that naturally you have such a great impact. Um, so, you know, when I was working with women, I was going into diet and sexuality and tantra and relationship and menstrual cycle and hormonal alignment and living with the cycle to prevent pregnancy, like as a natural contraceptive, all of these things. No, so it was quite wide. And suddenly I just wanted efficiency. I wanted one, one point. And it really became how to release the past to love greater. And where are these experiences of the past that have actually caused you to close your heart, but should be the fuel to open it. It should be the experience that has allowed you to have the wisdom and therefore the power to take a stand in a very different way when it comes to opening your, up your heart and choosing how to direct life. So this is where the transformation occurred. So what is important when it comes to attracting the love you truly, truly, truly want is first of all to look at the fears that are preventing you from allowing this desire to come forth. 
Now, I pinpointed three pain points that I see in most of my clients. They're very interconnected, no? But let me just uh, read them out to you. One, fear of loss of love. So we don't fear the love, we fear losing it once we have it. So number two, fear of being overpowered. So lack of trust and therefore having the need to be in control. And of course, control, you know, I always like to say you're either in control or in trust. Because if you're in control, there's no room for trust. And if you trust, then, you know, there's no need to be in control. And it's that balance. So when you fear being overpowered, uh, usually it comes from a place of wanting to be in control, which doesn't allow love to come in because love and trust are, are one and the same. And point three, fear of losing yourself, uh, loss of freedom of, of one way or another, fear of, of, of losing an aspect of yourself, your expression, who you are. Um, because I think, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, it's, it's likely you have had an experience of some sort. Now, what I want you to do, what I want to encourage you is to take from this podcast, um, you know, after we, we close, uh, to just take a moment to contemplate, like if you were to be really, 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 really honest with yourself, what is the main way that you protect yourself? Is it, for example, by being the one with all the answers? meaning you you know what to do, you know where to go, you know the answer to what is coming up. And this literally prevents anyone from having any kind of input in your life. No? It's almost like the the the, the all-knower, the it, it somehow portrays something really powerful, but at the same time it is removing you from perhaps the desire of having someone by your side who can actually support you. Now another expression I often see is you know, the, the looking for freedom in all the ways possible, um, you know, which, which happens in open relationship, polyamory, and there's this concept built around it, right? Like a elaborate belief system that proves why, you know, being in an open relationship is the way uh, to live love. But actually when you, if you are to break it down, you can see that very often this way of dating or relating is allowing all kinds of freedoms except the freedom of the heart. Because what is the freedom of the heart? It means you are so safe to really reveal, you know, the deeper, deeper layers of yourself and really go deep with someone. But if you're with that person and that person is with other people and you're with this other person, but you don't know if any of it is really real or if it's connected to anything that is substantial or sustainable, then how is the heart going to feel safe to express those deeper layers and to feel safe that you're building a foundation? It's just simply not going to be there. And so this aspect in freedom is literally preventing you from diving deeper into the heart. And it is a very intelligently constructed protection mechanism. So at the heart of Make Love to Life, um, because, you know, it's, I'm not coming from a place of judgment. I'm coming from a place of experience. I too, you know, went in all these different forms of relating to basically bump against the same point, no? The bump of like, why don't I feel free really in my essence, even though I have the freedom to be with whoever I want for however long. And it was really the heart longing for something more secure. And now that I am living and walking my path with my man, 
with the love of my life it's like oh my god the you know the what there's there's pieces of myself that i am discovering because of the foundation of trust and because of the support that is there and because we are committed to creating a really strong foundation together and from that it's like these layers of the experience in love are coming forth that are literally showing me whatever I thought I knew love was, wasn't even close to what I am experiencing now. So back to make love to life. The philosophy behind make love to life is literally how can you sensually be connected to every moment in life to allow a deeper sense of connection and therefore intimacy to exist throughout your day so that when you enter an intimate relationship, you know that the sexuality is a reflection of that already existing contentment within the way that you are connected to life and yourself. As opposed to the opposite, which is what happens a lot in you know, the polyamorous realm, or it happens a lot in general when people are you know, browsing through these dating apps, seeking out, uh, supposedly they're seeking out uh, the love of their life, but actually what they encounter more is people who are fearful of, of true connection and fearful of that commitment that you supposedly are looking for, but are preventing yourself from getting to. Wow, I just lost where this was going. <laughs> anyway, protection mechanisms make love to life. Uh, yes. So what we what I see in the world a lot is, um, you know, we come from a history uh, our grandparents, our parents, and even the parents of our grandparents. It's like, yeah, a lot of that was obligation and marriage are one and the same. Then it shifted, you know, to generations of extreme freedom in the exploration of sexuality. You know, even today, I feel like we often look for true connection through sex and miss out on these elements that are so essential to feel a deeper sense of trust that actually allows us to you know, have sexuality in the heart fuse. And so people who come to want to work with me, they've had enough of the repeated love story, the story that they know so well, the story that somehow the thing that it has in common is that it doesn't last and that it doesn't allow them to truly feel free, even though that that's what they're looking for. And so, you know, make love to life is looking at the intricate truth within what tantra really is about so tantra is basically expressing and exploring and opening up the senses to connect through what you see what you feel what you hear and tantra is also the understanding that everything is alchemy because the power of tantra even though there's a lot of practices that we can do with ourselves there's a, a magical aspect that can only come forth when we connect with another. And it's that alchemy of complementary energies coming together that can open something. But even within the realm of Tantra nowadays, again, it's over-sexualized. And again, very often, very often, I see an avoidance of the heart, which literally you can be a master at the techniques, but you'll never understand the true essence of Tantra if you don't dare to open the heart. Because this is the secret key in Tantra that is necessary. And it's the point that cannot be faked. Like you cannot fake, you know, making Tantric love with someone you don't 
feel connected to in the heart um, and assume that somehow all these portals and channels are going to open. It's like the heart has to be involved. And this is the only way that that power, which is described in all these ancient texts, can truly be understood. And so we cannot fake it, right? I think we all know what it means to be in your heart when being with someone, because it's in that alchemy. And that's what making love is. It's the coming together of energies. So talking about make love to life, it's the truth of the universe and the earth making love to each other in every breath that we take. No? So for example, in my line of work, I know that I'm, I'm using quite abstract and quite poetic ways of describing this, uh, but I hope you can catch uh, what I'm trying to say. So if we just look at, you know, manifesting love, for example, uh, the way that I teach it is coming from the tantric understanding of, you know, you having Shiva Shakti energy. So you have the male and the female energy within you, whether you're a man or a woman, meaning you have a penetrative energy and a receptive energy. So you can see this as the lingam energy, which is the Sanskrit name for the male sexual organs. So it's you penetrating the universe with your vision, with what you want, knowing where you're going, like really that like, pop, you know, which is what a lot of people talking about manifestation will focus on, focus on the feeling you're inviting, focus on blah, 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 make the list, blah, blah, blah. You, you know the story. But then there's the other part, right? Which is receiving, allowing the universe to penetrate you, being in that yoni consciousness, yoni being the Sanskrit word for the feminine sexual organs and it's this part that is overlooked in the world at large and it's this part that has to be fueled through the heart because if you know anything about tantra you know that in a woman her body opens through the heart the more a woman can surrender from the heart the more pleasure she can receive uh, the more activated her yoni will be so whether you're a man of or a woman if you take this understanding of the physical response in a woman's body, you can take it as a spiritual concept and understand that making love to life means to have the trust in life to penetrate you with what you need to experience or need to receive uh, that often can even be better than what you can imagine. Like I am a living example of that. The relationship I'm in is better than anything I could have imagined. And it's because I have been living in this tantric lifestyle. I have been making love to life. I have been looking at all the intricate layers of how energy works. And if I'm constantly penetrating, 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 wanting life to um, be created in a certain way, then, you know, it, it can never come forth in that way because I'm creating a tunnel vision for myself and therefore preventing me from getting where I truly want to be. And it's, it's like self-sabotage is so intelligent. And protection mechanisms are so intelligent. And when we just catch it and we know the paradox, the, the how you say, the truths of the universe all lie in this mystic understanding that everything is a paradox. Like if you're willing to let it all go, you can have it all. And that's really what the lingam and the yoni consciousness come from. Uh, you know, the, this is like a concept that I've created for myself. And these words is, you know, what I made of it and make love to life is what I see when it comes to Tantra. And so as opposed to only focusing on these over-sexualized expressions of uh, Tantra or connection or intimacy, I mean, the amount of people that think of sex when they hear intimacy, probably 90%. And so 
what am I doing in my line of work? I'm flipping it around, asking you to make love before you make love, asking you to find all the ways to intimately connect and find all the ways that encourage you to trust more so that when you take off your clothes and you actually make love to someone with someone, the sex is a reflection of the already existing trust in love in your heart to open and to basically be able to experience that power. So yes, I think we are coming to a closure. So yeah, as a side note, no, I, I know that uh, I'm, I'm pretty strong in the position that I'm in. And sometimes when I talk about, you know, what occurs in sexual exploration or, or polyamory, I know that, you know, that the way that I spoke can cause quite some strong reactions in people. Um, if there was any trigger going off in you, um, it is probably because there's something that is out of alignment. Because if you truly believe in the way that you act, then there is nothing contradicting your truth that can trigger you. So... If there's a trigger, there's something that wants to be looked at. And I want to back it up by saying, you know, I think it's so good and so important to explore sexuality and intimacy and all forms of relating. Um, and if you're still in that, or if you believe that this is forever going to be your path, you have all my blessings. Like, I'm not here to convince you of anything. However, I am here to make this podcast channel available to those who sincerely want to walk their path with their beloved and who have had enough of relationships that don't last and who truly want to step up their game in knowing their worth and stepping up in being authentic, truthful, and confident in rejecting what is not meant to be and opening up in trust to receive what is meant to be. In this podcast channel, I want to explore all of that. And I'm coming from, you know, a background of poof. I mean, I've gone through sex addiction. I've gone through lovers over relationships, the narcissist that I mentioned, you know, the falling in love with women or falling in love with two people at the same time or having women fall in love with me or long distance relationships have been a pattern of mine in the past where it was really like looking for distance, physical distance to show as a reflection that I just wasn't supposedly ready for opening my heart in the way that I was convincing myself I was. You know, life is so obvious when we just dare to look at what is going on. <laughs> and bueno, I've, you know, I've lived together. I've, um, uh, I've been in various, you know, long-term committed relationships that you know, in which they were ready for marriage and children and the whole nine yards. Um, I've dated people from different cultures and religious backgrounds, or um, I even dated someone who we didn't speak the same language and I had to learn his language in order to be able to know who I was in a relationship with. You know, I've, I've immigrated for love, um, even recently. <laughs> I've jumped for love. I've taken uh, risks. I've I've delved deep into into tantra, into sexual healing. I've, you know, chosen celibacy more than once in my life to heal my past. You know, I've been hurt. I've hurt others. I've been 
cheated on, I've been proposed to, I've, you know, it's like there comes a point where, at least in my case, and this is where my path of purpose transformed from working just with women to working with men and women and really dedicating all of my power to, you know, what is intimacy and how do we sabotage ourselves from prevent, from, from manifesting the love we truly desire? Like when you reach that point, when you start questioning that, that's when you know you, you've, you've had enough of the list of all these different various ways of expressing and understanding intimacy and connection. It's like you, you come to a point of having had enough and then it's like, okay, how to take this serious, how to stop repeating that pattern that is making you be stuck where you are now which is why you're probably listening to this right now. So let's make love to life. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited to, yeah, to just share with you, you know, in, in this podcast channel and to get to know you better, um, you know, because most of you who are listening to this now probably are already in my group, Make Love to Life. But if you're not yet there, I will send you, I will put the link in the description um, and I really want to encourage you to join us there because in this group, not only, you, you know, because the podcast is a podcast and you can listen to it in, in whatever setting, but intimacy is when we connect through our stories and when we share publicly and allow the other to meet us and to be witnessed and to ask vulnerable questions. And so the group Make Love to Life is truly that. It's the place where we get to explore together and it's the thing that makes me so passionate when I hear people being authentically connected to where they are now and a willingness to do something about it, like a willingness to look yourself in the eye and say, yes, I'm protecting myself too much to the point where I'm not allowing the universe to penetrate me and allowing that love to be attracted into my life. So what can I do about it? It's like, ah. Oh, you know, that's what turns me on, truth and people being willing, willing to do the work, willing to expose and express. So when this is my invitation, click on the link, join us in the group and yeah, let's, let's get this ball rolling. Um, so if you're entering the group, what I am asking of you is to simply tell me why, why you're listening to this. What is the pain point you want to solve? Um, and if you had the liberty to choose what is the next topic um, on this podcast channel, what would it be? What is it that you want to hear? You're listening to the Make Love to Life podcast, the place where we uncover all the barriers that prevent you from experiencing deeper intimacy. If you are looking to attract love and authentic partnership, then hit the subscribe button and go to my website, nalayachakana.com to sign up for my private group, Make Love to Life. See you there.